Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Trek, a podcast which nobody listens to, where we talk about an episode of Star Trek. Uh, my name's David, and I'm joined this week by... Uh, my name's Joe. Joe, uh, because our dear friend Sam um, has been killed by a rogue holodeck program. I was I was going to go with he's, he's on uh, shore leave on Riser, but you know whatever. <laughs> Do you mean in air? <laughs> <laughs> to our international listeners, that's a really dreary place in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> um, one of the more dreary places generally. Um, this week, uh, because Sam was away, we decided to forego the pilot light and do this. And um, so we watched the episode of Star Trek, um, Season 2, Episode 3, Elementary Dear Data, uh, which first aired on December the 5th, 1988, before I was born. Before I was born. <laughs> God, God, that is old. I know. Um, I'm like 80. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so this is quite a fun episode of The Next Generation. Um, it's, I think it's maybe the first, like, or possibly second, like, holodeck meltdown episode. Uh, which is like we get three or four of these a season where like oh great we've got some some Victorian era outfits fantastic the holodeck is going to go berserk again and it's like well please somebody please put some safety protocols on this thing (laughs) if it's not the holodeck it's the the transporter it's one or the other you know it's uh, and I think it's um, I mean I might be wrong there might be some in like season one but I think it might be one of the first episodes of Star Trek where they actually do kind of dress up in period clothing I don't really remember much from season one of that happening I feel like Um, there's a couple of episodes of Data doing like Shakespeare I can't remember whether they're earlier or or later Um, he does love his Shakespeare yeah, um, so maybe maybe there's some of those. Um, but in a departure from our usual, because Sam isn't here, Joe, do you want to do you want to talk me through the plot? Um, yeah, so so basically, um, it it just kind of starts out with um, they arrive at this meeting point with um, one of the, the cruisers, um, Victory, three days early, um, and um, it kind of data kind of arrives down in engineering because um, Geordie is sent for him. And he kind of walks around the corner, and Jordy's been working on a um, actual model of the HMS Victory. You know the Nerd. ship. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so um, you know, Date is really really confused about why Jordy's wasted his time building this huge model of a, a you know a, a, an outdated method of transport. Um, and then they, they they proceed to kind of it's been kind of a, a running theme through I think the first season of um, TNG. The kind of mention about like data and um, somebody mentions to him about, about um, sort of Sherlock Holmes and things like that. And I think I rather think Picard gives him a book of Sherlock Holmes or something like that, and he actually reads it and stuff. So this episode kind of follows on from that. Um, and Jordy, because they've got this time to kind of kill, they decide to go and do a. Um, uh, to like make something on the holodeck um, for data to solve and sort of test his kind of. They go on. They want to go on. They've got some downtime. They've got some 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 R and R time. Yeah. Uh, you know they're not being attacked by Klingons or Romulans or bloody <laughs> for once. You know strange alien beings there's, without there's, bodies. There's no Ferengi. Q's kind of on a break somewhere. You Absolutely. Know? So they're like, right, what do we want? We've got a nice week off. Let's put on some period costume. Let's get you in a deer stalker data because. <laughs> You know, apparently that's cool. And the and, pipe, you need the pipe. And the pipe, and a mission, I think. And then let's get down to the holodeck and have ourselves a good old-fashioned Sherlock Holmes adventure. 
um, which, which you know, it starts off quite quite harmlessly. Um, they basically data programs it in, and um, they kind of stood in Sherlock Holmes in Baker Street. Um, Geordie's like, oh, you know, what's my role in all this? You know, um, what what does Watson do? And and then they get a knock on the door, and a detective walks in with somebody else, and they start talking about kind of this case that they have. And data basically within like 20 seconds just solves the case. It's like something to do with a picture in the pocket of this person that's walked in. Um, and Geordie kind of like just in disgust like walks off um, because he realizes that like Data's chosen a program that he knows the answer to. Um, yeah, this is kind of like a fun, and this all happens in the first like four minutes of this episode. Yeah. It's a really really tight opening. We have a we have a wonderful so uh, in American TV you have that uh, like and in British TV these days I suppose you've got that like minute and a half before the first adverts go on. So yeah. when we're watching it, we, that's where we get the credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, I think they'd have an ad break and then the credit sequence. Yeah. Um, so in the first that first little chunk is just them deciding to go on this adventure, and and they they they're running out of engineering, and someone goes, "Oh, Mister LaFord, where are you going?" And he's going, "We'll be at two twenty two B Baker Street," and they like it's such a you know <laughs> like Saturday afternoon special like kids cartoon line. <laughs> and yeah, the, and the, the person that they say to just kind of looks really confused, and the, the, like just like where what? Like I don't these understand. Fucking bridge crew <laughs> and their weird ass problems. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of brilliant. So by the time it's it's sort of established that Data is ruining all of these Sherlock Holmes mysteries because he's he knows the source material like a machine would know it. So he knows how to see Red patterns and. He's read them all, so they can't do an existing Sherlock Holmes adventure because Data already knows how it's solved, uh-huh. and they can't do a different one because, um, you know, he he knows all of the different the different aspects. So so they kind of like this is what George's frustration is: you're not learning anything because, you know, we're not yeah, solving a mystery. Yeah, you know the answer to it. So what's the point? You know, there needs to be some sort of like element of kind of. Some random element, to, some you, element of like a mystery, yeah. some element of solving. Uh, by the way, can I just say I'm. I'm I'm now on season six of um, TNG, but um, can I just say that how how young um, Data looks, Spiner, like in this, like coming back from season six, I'm like fuck, I didn't realise the age this. Much. I tell you what's really noticeable is number one it is there's a couple of scenes of Riker in this, and he looks fifty <laughs> years younger than he does in season six of this show. <laughs> He does. There is a massive age instrument. I mean, I think Data surprised me because I hadn't really noticed it. Like, we're just watching season six. I hadn't really noticed it. But then going back to watching an episode of season two, I'm like, Jesus, he looks so much younger here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, TNG didn't didn't end for another, you know, another, another five years after this episode. So it's kind of like a, you know, a lot of aging goes in. And I suppose they also maybe figured out more of what the, the look they wanted Data to have with all the makeup. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. that's part of it that it changed Possibly. that way. Um, but yeah, everyone looks super young, um, except Geordie, whose face is obscured by that stupid visor. Yes, well, that's that's true. Although there is two episodes in like season six where he attempts to grow a beard and everyone mocks him for it. That's very true. Although LeVar Burton looks great in a beard. Um, he does. Just, just, it, yeah. just, just FYI. I tell you who doesn't age poorly, Joe, who hasn't aged a day, is Dr. Pulaski. I was going to say, you. I thought you were going to say Patrick Stewart. but you Also, know, yes. Also, yes. Um, <laughs> but he's not really like, so So this is really like a Data and Geordie episode. And, yes. and Picard comes in to save the day in the end of it. But like, he's not really, a, he's, it's the first half of this episode, he's not really involved. So I mean, the best the best part of the episode is that there's no Wesley Crusher. Um, oh, God, no. No Crushers at all, Joe. No, no yeah, Crushers. Barely, yeah. Yeah, Nary no a Troy. 
you know, um, she gets about four lines and um, <laughs> not enough Worf, as usual, not enough Worf. Not enough Worf, um, and there's not really enough Riker either. You know, you need, Riker! You need to yeah, Riker one needs to life. come in and, like, Victorian, like, seduce somebody and somehow that solves the problem. Get his sex trombone out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were a bit a bit out from Sex Trombone uh, in season two, but yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so to move us forward, uh, Pulaski, Dr. Pulaski, who um, I don't know how I feel about Dr. Pulaski, because I actually think, think she was quite good in this episode. She's not bad in this episode, and I, this is a really difficult one, because obviously the, the character itself is kind of widely panned throughout um, the Star Trek universe, and I kind of get it because... It's female bones. Yeah, it's she's she's a really really kind of like just she's just a beige character. Like she has no real background to her. She barely gets any episodes, but she she just doesn't feel warm or anything like that. You kind of you, you know like Beverly Crusher, um, who she kind of replaces just for season two. Kind of you, you kind of like get to know her a bit better in season one, and you kind of build a relationship with her. Pulaski, there never seems to be that relationship with with you with a um, even with the other members of the crew. Yeah, um, it's, it's again. This it's, 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 it's is only season two, and it's the show finding its feet, really. It is. But I think this must only be the only. only this is episode three of season two, so it's, it's only the third time Pulaski's been in Star Trek. Yes. Um, yeah. But she she's introduced, and she's basically like, and Pulaski is like I said, female bones, which means um, she's deeply racist. Um, and incidentally, she, she did actually appear in two episodes of the original series. The actress who plays. Oh, Pulaski. really? Yeah, she did appear in two episodes of um, of the original series. Um, so you know that's she has got that link to Star Trek. Um, oh yeah, totally. Um, like Star Trek is maybe maybe the most guilty out of you know anything nerdy yeah. to of like reusing. Will people remember this, ca- this actor? Nah. Pay attention, Joe, to any Ferengi you see on screen, and you will see that man portray different Ferengi throughout <laughs> all the series of this. Honestly, um, yeah. they have like four guys for Ferengi, and that's it. They just they just put on different clothes. Um, but yeah, so Pulaski turns up and she's like, and she's like, Data, you're a machine and you're an idiot and you're stupid because she's quite antagonistic and like angry. Yeah. Um, so she, her, 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 her sort of point is, you know, she gets involved because she, she, she kind of doesn't believe that Data can, you know, that Data can, um, enjoy a Sherlock Holmes mystery because, you know, yeah. it's, it's maybe not applicable to a machine, not the way he thinks and things like that. So she comes on board. They go back to the holodeck and Jordi LaForge makes, um, you know, uh, his second mistake of the episode after building that model ship um, <laughs> when he could have just replicated it. <laughs> but that's not where the enjoyment lies, Dave. Uh, I where, will yeah. put a bullet in my own head. They have a holodeck. You know, <laughs> think of the sex programs Jordy's oh, got lined up. I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm with you, Dave. Ship. There's no way. I mean, that, I mean, it wasn't even a small model of the HMS Victory. Um, you know, it's a really big sized thing. Um, probably like about three, four feet long. And I mean, I I'm think, just looking at Joe, it. And... I think, without being 100% certain or having checked at all, this is exact, the exact same boxed, um, like Airfix type model of the HMS Victory mm-hmm. that my mother bought for my brother Harry. When he was eight or nine, and he wasn't well at the time, and he was taking a lot of time off school, with the idea of of them making it together while he was off school, um, it's so enormous and it has so many pieces that my mum decided that they would need a clean room in order to make it. Um, so this box might still be in my mum's loft, but um, they never made Harry it. That and I surprises me. 
Never with my my house, Joe, with like 15 siblings running around, absolutely no chance. Um, (laughs) Harry and I looked at it uh, Christmas like four or five years ago. Someone had given us an Airfix model and we quite enjoyed making it over Christmas Day over several alcoholic beverages. Um, So we looked at the HMS Victory, opened it. There are five or 6,000 pieces and we were like, "Mm, nope, this is probably outside of our expertise. Yeah, that's... um... Let's not do that. <laughs> Absolutely. So so that's just some context on why you shouldn't build model ships because there are better things to be doing with your time, like watching Star Trek or hosting your own podcast. Mm. Yeah. That's just food for thought. Um, yeah. So Pulaski goes to the holodeck with them and, and she, she, she she puts on a you know a, a dress and a bonnet basically and, and and she's along for the for the for the for, for the for adventure. The yeah. 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 And, and then Jordy in. makes his mistake. Jordy um, makes his mistake. Second mistake, which is the go in, and um, he tells the computer to create a Sherlock Holmes type mystery. Um, well, he says create a Sherlock Holmes type enemy that that data that would challenge data or something. Well, that's capable you know? of defeating data, and that's like it, data, yeah. it's established as well that data is like you know he's a machine, he's an android. He's a he's an android, and therefore he's very clever. So so the computer's obviously like, right, gotcha. We'll turn on the murdergrams, um, which is <laughs> yeah. my own like headcanon word for the four or five times a season that the holodeck goes rogue and nearly kills the whole crew. Yep, <laughs> um, uh, it does happen an awful lot. Yes, uh, a lot, and they're always surprised. Yes. They're- always surprised. No one says, didn't this happen last year, Captain? Shouldn't we have put something in place? I think I was talking to you about there was an episode with um, Paul Broccoli, Barkley, who's um, in the next episode where Moriarty and Sherlock make an appearance in season six. There's an episode where he's like absolutely petrified of using the transporter um, and all of the crew and cast and the, uh, all the, the crew are there having like, basically mocking him, going, oh, nothing ever happens with the transporter. It's the safest way to travel. Like every other episode, somebody's getting like dispersed <laughs> into places they shouldn't on the transporter. He's absolutely tra- justified. Clones. It's totally reasonable. And the holodeck is kind of the same like you know um barclay's a, is a really good character for the holodeck because um you know i think he's the most realistic like yeah. human portrayal in star trek mm-hmm. um, but let's we, we, we're diverging quite quite severely and no one's listening to this so fucking who cares but yeah i mean we did um, say this to get back to the plot you've got so they're in the holodeck and and jory tells the computer this and the computer's like wink got you murder um and, and it, it computer designs a program. And uh, when you're in the holodeck, and I'm not sure if this is in earlier episodes, and they certainly drop this in later episodes, if you want to get out of the holodeck in this episode, you shout the word arch. And the computer listens, and it summons a doorway, basically. It shows you the door um, mm-hmm. so that you can get out. So Geordie says arch for some reason, and, and basically a character that we're, you know, we later find out is, is Moriarty, a you know, famed Sherlock Holmes villain. Um, sees it and he's like, "The fuck is that?" You know, he's sentient and he's yeah, basically in order, in order to away. in order to be a decent enemy for um, data. And we're told this later on. The computer had to make another sentient machine, essentially. Yeah, and and as soon as they like walk around the corner, this Moriarty like turns around and goes, "What was that then?" And just like basically goes, "Arch." And gets the arch up himself, and it's like, hmm, yeah, I like the looks of this. Um, but there's an interesting thing here, by the way, talking about hol- holodeck uh, safety things. Like, you think there'd be some sort of like flag 
and the bridge. And there is, because um, we we pan to Riker and Worf, and Worf goes, um, Commander, um, there's been a power surge in the holodeck. It all seems fine now. And he's like, no, it's probably nothing. And they look forward again, like going back to what they were doing. Like, no, investigate that. Send someone down there. Shut it down. How many times yeah. has this thing gone At least, rogue? You know, do, do something. Don't just stand there and go, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then that's pretty much the last time Riker and Worf are in this episode. Um, so we go Worf back to the holodeck. does get dressed up. He offers to go down with the captain later. He does get dressed up in like a suit and top hat, I think. Oh, we do but get then that he never fantastic actually goes moment, into... don't we? Yeah, he's dressed up yeah. like a Puritan. Like he's but on then the he never actually goes into the holodeck yeah. with the captain. So um, so it's quite it's quite a short plot from here, really. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Moriarty seizes control of the ship. Um, um, well, he takes um, he takes Doctor Pulaski. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pulaski hostage. gets damseled hard very fast yeah. in this, and then she's pretty much out of the episode as well. Although it does, there is that one scene where he's basically feeding a scones and tea. You know, the most British captor ever. Oh, so this uh, is a very British villain. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so Moriarty takes control of the ship, and Picard's like, "For fuck's sake, I've got to go and clean up the kids' mess." Again, again. Uh, so they have a, they have like a bridge meeting, a bridge bridge crew meeting. Because if you aren't one of these eight people, um, eight bridge crew members, then get the fuck out of here, red shirt. Um, has this meeting. Moriarty sees control of the ship, and basically he's demanding that um, they make him make him solid. They make him, you know, be able, be able to, come to off exist the holodeck, basically. outside the holodeck. Um, and essentially, this is a perfect like Patrick Stewart. Um, Picard resolves this issue by you know, giving an impassioned speech and it's yes. like, oh, Star Trek. I love Star yeah. Trek. It's what you want at the end of every single episode, just Picard talking. But know. it wraps up very quickly. They go into the holodeck, they find Moriarty, like he's, you know, feeding scones and tea to Pulaski. And he has like, somehow managed to like rig up some sort of like um, thing for steering the ship though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got like a, it's, it's like a stabiliser thing. He pulls a lever and the mm-hmm. whole ship like goes mental and it's basically his way of being like, listen, I want you to do what, you know. I will know. crash this shit, you know. Do what I say or this this ship's going down. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, he's holding Pulaski hostage and he's holding the ship hostage. And, um, and Picard goes, you know, all right, fucking hell, I've got to go and deal with this now. So he takes Geordie and Data. And I think Worf is with them. Um, he stays go, outside the holodeck. He never actually comes in. He oh, kind of stands weird. up. I don't know. I don't know why. Because you said. Because um, you're right. He does like get into period costume, and yeah. they're all like, "Why are you in costume, Wolf? You stay here." And he's like, "Yes, yeah. Captain." And he says, "I'm here if you need me." Um, and then, the, like, they just leave him outside. Basically, he's just stood in period costume outside the holodeck. You know. Yeah, but they go in, and Moriarty, I think, is the, the guy who portrays Moriarty, um, is I think pretty good, and he's like, yes. You know, I'm a sentient being. I was, I was this, um, I was this villain, and now uh, Daniel Davis was his name. Uh, is this actor's name? Um, I was this villain. You know, this villain that was written by this, but he's got access to all the archives and stuff, so he knows everything now. And mm-hmm. and he's like, but I've I've evolved. I've you know I've gained sentience, and I just want to. I just want the right to exist. And you kind and of be- sympathise with him, actually. You, you know, yeah, because like, he's know not what? Like, like he's not like I'm going to murder you all. He does have moments like that, especially when he comes back in season six. But yeah, he, his yeah, main he thing is, is like, yeah. you know, I am a sentient being and I have a right to exist and you can't you know, just... You, create, you created me. It's your fault that I, like, know what I'm doing, basically, you know? So it's on you guys to try and find some solution for me, effectively. Essentially, yeah. And and, and all Picard can do, really, is say, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And I promise you... Um, empty promise, by the way, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> you know, I promise you that... 
that we'll find a way and 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 we'll save the program and we'll store it and and as soon as we found a way to make you exist outside the holodeck then we will and and it's quite a touching moment and quite you know quite introspective in it in its own way and and just that it's all been resolved there are no shots fired no one's ever in any real mortal danger in this it's a really no. like perfectly like it's episode three of a season it's perfectly low stakes and perfectly like self-contained Mm-hmm. and quite fun you know like it is something a little bit different you know it's... this is a really good episode of star trek like yeah. it's quite light like you said it's not massively content heavy but that's fine yeah. you just get to in, see these it... actors in period dressed like yeah. doing a sh- doing a doing a sherlock holmes thing and again i think when we did the last um kind of random trek for the original series it's kind of doing something that's like sherlock holmes it kind of brings it into something that you kind of understand in some ways because you know a lot of people know you know you've read sherlock holmes you're aware of him and it kind of brings star trek to something that you kind of understand a little bit better or makes it a little bit more kind of um kind of relatable it makes it more digestible doesn't it in that you know sherlock holmes and victorian england are quite recognizable and by having those motifs in this episode i think it, it, it you know it allows you to explore Data and Geordie's, you know, friendship and, and, you know, Picard a little bit because, you know, you're in this, like you said, you're in you're in a very realised but clearly made up world, <laughs> you know, within the holodeck and, and it's quite fun that way. And I like holodeck episodes generally. We have a, Sam and I always used to joke because obviously uh, you're quite new to Star Trek, Joe. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. And uh, but like, Sam and I always used to joke that like any time there's a holodeck episode, it's because like somebody on the lot next door to where they were filming this was like, "Yo, we got a bunch of like Sherlock Holmes outfits. You can have them. We've got them till Saturday. Do you do you want them?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, great. Someone write a plot, and we can save ourselves like you know a third of the production fees <laughs> for this episode." Because there are some episodes where you're like, "Wow, they just didn't have the money to do anything mm-hmm. with CGI or anything like, especially in '88." Um, some of the later episodes, especially, there are there are a lot of people in Nazi uniforms running around Star Trek. A lot. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think this is a you know this is a fun episode. Um, it is. We'll get into the sequel episode in a minute because I think you know it's definitely worth talking about. Um, it's a fun episode. I like Pulaski in it. I think Picard is is perfect sweeping in at the end to like clean up after these kids. Uh, you know, Date is pretty good. Like he's his perfect sort of. Mm-hmm. You know. He, he he really empathizes with uh, Moriarty as well, you know, as a as a, a non organic life form who's attained sentience, he can really sort of like understand this man's desire to, to just exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just kinda I, I don't know, it's it almost feels like a break from Star Trek, actually, this episode in some ways. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, you, you know, you're in the season, but then it's almost like a break from the regular Trek, and then, you know, you start off again in the next episode. Well, we're and not, it's quite nice. you know, there's no alien virus decimating the ship, and there's no galactic politics involved. There's no Ferengi it's, running around stealing stuff. There's and no Ferengi to pretending to be the bad guys. You yeah. know, there's no, there's no Romulans twisting their eyebrows. It's just... Cardassians blowing stuff up, you it's, know. You know, it's maybe the first episode where we just get like these characters, this playfulness about it, especially that you know, Data and Geordie, especially, we get, you know, there's quite a lot of episodes where they're allowed to be a bit more, they're just having a good, you know, they're just kids, they're yep. just like having a. And it, it's kind of, it, it kind of, I think, needed to happen a little bit with Data because with him being an android, I think episodes like this help to make him that little bit more kind of almost human. Um, because yeah, I think definitely. they needed to kind of to. 
to kind of make him that little bit more relatable to people and make him not seem as like cold as, a, as an android kind of could be. So episodes like this are quite good fun. And there's kind of episodes like this throughout the whole series, to be honest with you, and throughout the the kind of TNG run. Like, you know, there's about three yeah, or four like, episodes a like season. like the lower rent episodes, like the episodes where, you know, you're not on the edge of your seat, you're just kind of enjoying these characters more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fine, I think, and I think this is actually like borne out in in the ratings for this episode. I think this is quite well regarded. I think yeah. quite frequently ranks in sort of you know maybe the top twenty or thirty episodes, which doesn't sound very high, but like there are, you know, there are twenty five, twenty six episodes in each season of the Next Generation, and there are seven of them. So, like yeah. being in the top twenty episodes of the se- of the series is quite impressive, really. Yeah, for a season yeah. two episode, which. And you know, season two is probably the worst season in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe season one, like. See, I, I would probably say season one, just because they don't really know what they're doing, and like yeah, a lot of characters don't Pulaski really have a role isn't in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true, but at the same time, you know, you've got um, Natasha Yar there, who is a character I don't dislike, but you can kind of feel she doesn't fit. Worf and Geordi don't have roles at that point. Like Geordi isn't the. <laughs> Worf the is chief. a security officer, and Geordi yeah. is the. I don't know what he is. He isn't, he isn't even in an engineering at that point. It's only no, he's not two. even an engineer. He's just like a bridge. He's just bridge yeah. crew. He's just he's, bridge crew. He's like uh, he's like Chekhov, you know. He's just doing something. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows what, but he's on the yeah. bridge pressing buttons. Um, which and, and it's not until like at least in season two they kind of start to like move into their own spheres. So you know, Geordi gets engineering, um, and Worf then becomes head of security after Natasha Yar obviously gets killed. So you, you want the um, big buff angry alien in charge of security? That seems yeah. like a really good call. Yeah, the big um, angry alien who you know doesn't doesn't take any nonsense. Yeah, but no, this is a good episode uh, yeah. because no Wesley Crusher. So, a couple of interesting trivias um, I was reading about this. So, the Arthur Conan Doyle estate uh, maintained the copyright on the character, um, and Paramount Studios uh, basically obtained permission from the Doyles uh, to make Young Sherlock Holmes, which was a film from 1985. But when they actually filmed this episode, um, Paramount didn't consider um, similar permission necessary um, because they believe it fell under the parody clause of copyright law. So they aired the episode without episode without notifying the Doyles. Yeah. Um, apparently, they the, the Doyles wrote to Paramount that they they, they liked the episode, but uh, basically they felt that um, but but that, that you know any future episodes they wanted um, sort of Star Trek usage of their characters they wanted in on it. Um, so that's why it took another four years before there's another episode of um, of uh, like the Sherlock because for four years we were basically like trying to agree on a reasonable licensing fee. It's um, an interesting it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I also read about this a little bit, and and obviously obviously us being British, it's you know Sherlock Holmes is is very you know there are two three major franchises in the last twenty years. You've got the Robert Downey Jr. series of films. You've got yeah, the, and the Benedict. Uh, Benedict you've got the Benedict uh, Cucumber series. Yeah, Cumberbund. And you've yes. got the um, with with Bilbo Baggins. With Bilbo Baggins, and you've got the American series with. Um, oh, Elementary, isn't it? With Is with that the one? What, the, with that bloke and um, and that woman out of Charlie's Angels. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, her. yeah. It's, it's called. I'm sure it's called Elementary. It's called Elementary. Um, Lucy, Lucy Liu. Is it Lucy Liu? Lucy is Lucy Liu. It's. Dog shit. I may, maybe watched two episodes of it. It's. I can't terrible. imagine it's good. It doesn't look good because it looks as though but, like she basically plays Watson and falls in love with Sherlock. Does she not? 
I think so. He's American and he's a drug addict, and it doesn't really. F- Do you know what I mean? When you're not an opium addict in Victorian times, like being a drug addict's a bit scaggy. It's a bit like, well, you can't. You know, you're not. <laughs> you're not a heroin addict, and also like the world's greatest detective anymore. That only yeah. flew anyway. Um, but the reason that there's so many more Sherlock Holmes themed stuff is because there was a lot. I can't remember what year it was um, from my research, but there was a lawsuit. Um, the 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 um, Arthur Conan Doyle estate basically filed a lawsuit because their copyright on Sherlock Holmes uh, was set to expire in 2023, which mm-hmm. obviously is in the future. Um, and but they lost the court case. Basically, they 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 filed against somebody for you know copyright infringement, and the court was like, well, this you know this doesn't really infringe on your intellectual property. So then that's why we get so have got so much more stuff these days is because. The copyright's been weakened by this this lawsuit loss. Mm. Well, there we um, go. Yeah, so so that's why we're kind of in you know not inundated, but in the last ten years we have been quite inundated with Sherlock Holmes stuff. Oh, and there's that new Sherlock Holmes inspired series on Netflix with um, Millie Bobby Brown and Superman. Mm. Uh, not Superman. What's his name? There's an actor who played Superman, and I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. If you're going to watch it, watch the one with Doctor Strange and uh, Bilbo Baggins, and you know. That's pretty good, although ultimately unsatisfying because it kind of just ends. Yeah, um, there's no it, real ending to it. Yeah, it just kind of. Oh, and they really all live What you ever should after. watch is these two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, absolutely. Um, just the other bit of trivia I was watching. Apparently, um, Picard utters the word "merd," which is French for shit. But as it was said in a foreign language, it passed the TV censors. Um, and apparently, in um, it's sometimes um, on subtitles, it's euphemistically translated as "damn." Um, Not what it shit. means, kids. It means shit. It's but French, because you said it in a foreign language, um, it passes it. I imagine it's probably when like um, Geordi and Data kind of go running to him. It's like, sir, we made a mistake. Yeah, he's like, this evil for being. fuck's sake, not again. Yeah. I'm trying to run a ship. Um, yeah. yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's um, yeah. it's interesting and censor stuff. I think, especially in the eighties, you know. Like 1988, like the internet didn't exist, <laughs> you know. No. Like, if you're watching this and you were because there were like five channels, <laughs> so of course you fucking were. Although I don't have the UK air date for this because um, they're always a bit backwards, so we kind of yeah. have to play the living in America kind of game. Um, but even even so, there weren't going to be any more channels at that point. I wouldn't have thought it's not going to be that much further in the future. No, not not for most people. I think cable did it. Cable TV did exist, um, and I'm basing that on the fact that it exists in the first season of The Simpsons, um, which, <laughs> which is from the following year. Um, but I think it wasn't very widespread, and a lot of people were in the same position in America were in the same position as we were here then, where you know you had like four channels. Maybe I don't even think Channel Five was a thing in '88. Um, mm. BBC One was pretty much news. Pretty much. Um. Uh, so. Do you want to tell us about the second? You've just watched this, the second uh, episode, the return of Moriarty. Yeah. It kind of, it, it kind of actually fitted in well um, because I literally, like the next episode that I had to watch was the next Moriarty um, and Sherlock episode. 
And obviously, we're not doing that episode, so I won't go into too much detail. But basically, um, Geordie and Data are doing another Sherlock mystery kind of thing. And then um, there's like an issue with the, one of the, the, the uh, Data solves the crime. Um, and the crime is supposed to be the way he like solves it is that the person who killed the murder victim was left handed. And he tries to prove this by like throwing something to him who's sat on the couch and he catches it with his right hand. So it's like, then they're kind of like, oh, what? He's supposed to be left handed. That's the whole thing. You know, there's something wrong with the holodeck again. So, they get um, Reg uh, Broccoli or Barkley um, uh, to come and have a look at it and accidentally while he's repairing it he, he manages to like, access the files that include Moriarty um, so Moriarty's back again and he asks to speak to Picard and he's like understandably oh, said, he's really pissed off he's been locked yeah. in this programme for five years like, you've done nothing for four years you told me you were going to get me out and you've just left me here and he claims to have been able to like sense the passing of time um, even though Picard's like yeah that, that shouldn't have been happening I don't understand how uh, but anyway, like Picard's like, yeah, we're no nearer. You can't get off the holodeck. You're still stuck in here, um, which he refuses to accept. Um, and he basically like walks off the holodeck and proves that he can. Uh, but the whole gist of it is that actually what happened was Moriarty took control of the holodeck and um, basically like created a program within the holodeck to make Picard um, and Data and Barclay, who were the ones that are in there, like think that he'd basically had it's left a, the holodeck when he actually had It's a hadn't. really confusing Inception type situation yeah. where and it, it gets, it's it like gets even more hollow, confusing. holograms within holograms within holograms, which is yeah. then resolved by... More holograms within holograms. Them they, tricking they Moriarty into another yeah. separate hologram. They make another hologram within that other hologram within the holog- holodeck, uh, making him think that they he'd basically fooled them into giving him a shuttlecraft and let them head off. Yeah. Uh, sort of like, you know, let him escape with his um, uh, his lover who he'd also got them to bring off the holodeck, holodeck sort of babe, thing. yeah. Yeah, so he then like flies off in this shuttle, thinking he's escaped when actually he's stuck inside like a holo- another, um, basically holodeck program. Um, and they, and they, they basically, basically like, just turn him off again. No, they, they put him into this thing that's like it's like a, they actually put him into this thing that has enough memory to basically like keep it going for the rest of his life, sort of thing. Is the way they end it. So they basically like keep him turned on, and he's inside the program, but he thinks he's actually within the wider world, which he isn't. He's within the program still. But there's enough um, memory within this um, thing that they put him in that it'll like he'll live his entire life without knowing otherwise, effectively. Um, which is a little bit scary to think of, to be honest. It's a um, it's a weird kind of episode. It's a bit high concept, a lot higher concept than this initial thing, and it's it's obviously something they wanted to revisit for a while, like you said, but it just struggled with the rights, um, and it it kind of comes out of nowhere. This episode and goes nowhere, yeah. um, and it's not a bad episode, but. Improved because there's no Pulaski. Um, <laughs> and still no Crusher, which is also a bonus. Well, I think there's some Beverly in this episode, but no Wesley Crusher. Yeah, but Beverly's not the bad Crusher. Wesley's off with, uh, off with the Travellers. that happened yet? No. No. no he's at Star- he's, Ca- uh, Starfleet Academy, still. Still at the Starfleet Academy, you know, crashing ships and stuff. Yeah, doing all sorts of, again, all sorts of teenage hijinks. Um, Dad, Will Wheaton. <laughs> Um, ooh, sidebar, sidebar, because no one's listened to this by now, 40 minutes into a bloody... If you are, what's wrong with you? Absolutely, especially if it's not, like, you know, you don't know us, what, what the fuck are you doing? Um, especially you, Sam, go away. Anyway, we should stop berating our potential listeners. Um, there's a... <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day about a film called, I don't know if you ever saw Toy Soldiers. Um, I've heard of it, I haven't seen it. It's Sean Astin, as in, you know, Sam from The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, Sean Astin and Will Wheaton... 
and a couple of other people play like uh, kids at this boarding school that gets taken over by Colombian terrorists. Um, and I think in the final act of the film, uh, Will Wheaton's character gets shot repeatedly in the chest Good. Um, and is obviously murdered. Um, so maybe that's a watch. Is, it, is the guy shooting him shouting, take that Wesley? I don't think so, but I'd, 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 I'd accept it, to be honest. I'd be happy with it. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't harp on Wesley Crusher. I mean, I, there are some decent Wesley episodes, but not loads. Mainly after he's left the main cast, though, to be fair. Yeah, and I guess again we talk about this a lot. Like I think a lot of this, a lot of the problems with Wesley and with Pulaski and uh, with uh, Denise Crosby, who was the actress who portrayed um, Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar. Um, a lot of the problems with the various iterations of characters there are like the writers, like the writers, it's not, it's not well yeah, it's written. Not the, actors. the reason that that these writers can't write a teenage boy on a starship is because none of them are teenage boys. <laughs> and you know the reason that these doctors, these 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 writers, you know, just just don't do a good job, is probably it's because really, of that. And it's it's, it's a really really strange one with Natasha Yar as well, because obviously you know she's quite a big character in season think, one, and obviously think, the actress. Joe, I think it's just Tasha Yar. I yeah, don't think it, it is just yeah, Tasha. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, I always call her Natasha, but I think it is just Tasha. But anyway, um, she obviously was the actress who hated. Um, like kind of her that basically hated the character and was like, yeah, no, I need out of this. It's dreadful. Yeah. Um, but she does kind of return in really weird guises in various. Oh, she comes of... back as Tasha Yar. She comes back as um, Romulan Tasha Yar. A Romulan blonde Romulan. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's probably an episode for a different time. I think when we get into more sort of like I'd like to do more um, more episodes where we'll talk about you know one character. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been fun. Uh, more, um, more Picard, more Picard episodes. More Everybody Picard wants more Picard episodes. Absolutely, just enjoy what we can because that man ain't getting any younger. Um, so I think we'll end it there, Joe, because we've been waffling for cool. like ooh, forty eight, minutes, eight minutes. We, we no, that. we've properly been waffling for eight minutes. Yeah, um, as usual, we will return with Random Trek as and when we goddamn feel like it. Um, the next time Sam gets stuck in the transporter or something, you know. <laughs> the next time Sam gets stuck in a transporter or has a wedding anniversary. Or something equally, you know, um, not as pathetic as doing a podcast with your two mates. <laughs> uh, but that's a t- conversation for a different time. Thanks, Joe. This was fun. It has been fun, yeah.